It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, February 12, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The state of Alaska has opened a new tier of residents eligible for COVID-19 vaccinations slightly ahead of schedule. 50-year-olds and up can now join the 116,000 others in the state who have already gotten an initial shot. At a press conference on Thursday, Tessa Walker-Linderman, who co-leads Alaska's Vaccine Task Force, said that canvassing efforts to reach the state's seniors appears to have been successful, and there were appointments opening up earlier than expected. We were seeing that appointments were not filling up as quickly and that um, as more more supply, more vaccines coming into the state, um, we just um, felt that it was time to move on. Also, we were looked at quite a bit of data to make that decision and really hearing a lot from the communities that um, in many communities, they um, had gone door to door and called everyone in the phone book and just um, could not find any more seniors to get vaccinated. And so by opening up a new tier just gives flexibilities to communities that um, really were ready to move on. The state's designation for the new group is Phase 1B, Tier 2. The state wants 50-year-olds who are eligible to meet certain criteria for high risk, but the medical criteria are broad, as are all the non-medical criteria for eligibility in Tier 2, such as essential worker. Chances are most 50-year-olds could fall into an eligible category. And older residents who were eligible in a previous tier, who never got around to getting vaccinated, are also welcome to sign up. The next state vaccine clinic in Sitka is at the fire hall on February 17th, conducted by White's and Harry Race Pharmacies. You can find a link to schedule an appointment with this story on our website, kcaw.org. You can also find information online at the KCAW COVID Information Hub. Additionally, Search is now offering vaccinations supplied through the federal government to anyone age 16 and over. You can find a link to register for an appointment with Search on our website with this story or at the KCAW COVID Information Hub. Sitka has become a hotspot for landslide research since a deadly landslide hit the town in 2015. Much of that work has focused on landslide mitigation, including developing a landslide warning system. But as KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports, a recent study in the Tongass headed in a different direction to examine how landslides impact the global carbon cycle. How carbon moves around our planet is of particular interest to the scientific community, says researcher Bryce Vasek. Part of that because carbon in the atmosphere is contributing to global warming and we want to understand carbon pools and where carbon is stored and how carbon is transferred from, say, the vegetation to the oceans and to the atmosphere. Vasek received his master's degree in geology from Portland State University last fall. And for his thesis, he honed in on a little studied part of the carbon cycle, landslides. Carbon mobilizing events by landslides is not a super studied area. It's sort of a niche field within the carbon cycle. The Tongass National Forest is one of the largest forest carbon sinks in the world. That's because its soils and vegetation, despite intensive logging in some areas, have been largely undisturbed by human activities in comparison to other places. Vasek says that made it an ideal setting for his research. Because landslides occur pretty much annually within the Tongass National Forest, um, and, and it's, it's very carbon dense. So it, it was, it's a pretty ideal natural laboratory. 
through a combination of fieldwork, remote sensing technology, and computer work, Vasek estimated the amount of carbon being moved around by landslides in southeast Alaska. He found a single storm that triggers multiple slides can move as much carbon stored in vegetation and soils as the annual emissions from 45,000 vehicles. But it doesn't necessarily go into the atmosphere. Instead, much of it is deposited in valleys or further down hillsides where it gets buried and sequestered for long periods of time. About 20% ends up in water, including rivers, which can then carry it to the ocean's continental shelf and bury it for millions of years. It's possible that landslides actually help keep carbon out of the atmosphere. But Vasek says more data is needed before they can say that for sure. I wanted to be like, look, the carbon's being moved by the landslides. And if enough is being moved and buried, then this is good for humans in the context of global warming. But there isn't enough research as to what occurs to the carbon after it is mobilized and deposited. Vasek's research was part of a broader study funded by the National Science Foundation that looked at how landslides and the characteristics of forests influence one another. Portland State University's Adam Booth headed up that project in partnership with the Sitka Sound Science Center. He was also Vasek's thesis advisor and says Vasek's work is part of a broader effort to understand how climate change, the carbon cycle, and landslides interact. How does changing temperature and precipitation um, affect landslides? How do those landslides affect carbon? And then ultimately over a long time, what that what that carbon mobilized by the landslides is doing, where it goes, where it ends up getting deposited, um, affects Earth's global climate um, carbon cycle over geologic time periods. Vasek says he plans to publish his study in a biogeosciences journal in the next few months, so the data can be available to other researchers looking at landslides and the carbon cycle around the world. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. A Tlingit master carver living in Ketchikan has been named a United States Artist Fellow. As KRBD's Maria Dudzak reports, Nathan Jackson is one of 60 artists to receive the honor in 2021. Nathan Jackson was born in Tenakee Springs and, after serving in the military, moved to Haines in 1959 to fish commercially. While there, he was challenged by a friend to whittle small totem poles with a pocket knife, copying his friend's designs. Jackson says an illness ended his plans to become a fisherman. He spent 54 days in Mount Edgecombe Hospital in Sitka for what doctors believed was tuberculosis. It was pneumonia. But the former paratrooper filled those days in a hospital bed, carving totems. Well, I sold all my miniature poles that fit in in a uh, showcase at the hospital. I was so excited I ran down the hallway. You're not supposed to run in the hallways. I was all excited. I wanted to get out of there. With the money he earned, Jackson bought a paint set and took up that craft, primarily doing portraits. He was a member of the Chilcat dance group in Haines, and one of the group's tours took him to Santa Fe, New Mexico. While there, Jackson showed his paintings to the director of the Institute of American Indian Arts. And so when I showed them the picture that I did, they immediately accepted me into that school. And so I ended up going to to an art school for a couple of years, two and a half years. These are just the beginnings of Jackson's long and varied career. 
He's primarily known for carving totem poles, masks, and wood panels, but also draws, paints, and makes jewelry. His work can be seen throughout Southeast, but also in the National Museum of the American Indian and in the Field Museum in Chicago, among other museums nationally and internationally. Jackson didn't seem surprised to be named a 2021 USA Fellow. We applied uh, last year, and uh, Dolores Churchill ended up getting the award. She's a Haida master weaver in Ketchikan. And then I figured, well, okay, my time's coming, but uh, I'm younger than she is. So she's well-deserving because she had influenced many other people in the art form and working closely with the Heritage Center. United States Artists is a Chicago-based organization supporting artists and their role in society. Fellowships are $50,000 individual grants going to artists in 10 disciplines. Jackson was one of seven named in the traditional arts category. He says he plans to use the money to finish his workshop, completing sheetrock work, and finishing a loft bedroom where visiting family and friends can stay. Offering advice to others pursuing art, including carving, Jackson says it's important to be able to draw. That is pretty much what I try to encourage uh, younger people to do. There's there's just no shortcut. Uh, If you have the ability to be able to draw something, then uh, you're on your way. Other honors Jackson has received include a National Heritage Fellowship from the National Endowment for the Arts, a Distinguished Artist Award from the Rasmussen Foundation, and an honorary doctorate from the University of Alaska Southeast. In addition, Jackson was among six artists featured in the January-February 2021 edition of Smithsonian Magazine. In Ketchikan, I'm Maria Dudzak. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Association of Alaska School Boards host a virtual town hall at 5 p.m. today for stakeholders to meet the four finalists for superintendent. The link to the meeting is on the main page of the Sitka School District website under announcements. Following the town hall, stakeholders may submit comments to the Sitka School Board at ttullis, T-T-U-L-L-I-S, at aasb.org. The Board of Education will conduct finalist interviews on Friday, February 19th, and make a decision on Saturday, February 20th. Friday, February 12th is International Winter Bike to Work and School Day. Register at winterbiketoworkday.org or winterbiketoschoolday.org to participate. Stop by Yellow Jersey Cycle Shop before noon on Saturday, February 13th to enter a drawing. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition.